I'm going to probably finish the chapter today. You can tell we had a lot of bus trouble this uh, week, so we didn't get to practice Wednesday. And Man, I'm getting old. I don't remember all them songs. I get to playing the wrong notes and having trouble. Luke chapter 4, we're going to, uh, we're going to pray and we're going to ask the Lord to be with us today. Father, we love you. We thank you today for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for all that you've done, all that you're continuing to do, God. We just, uh, Lord, we pray that you would be with us as we read your word, as we uh, look into what you have for us today. And God, we just ask that you would, uh, that you just guide us, that you would lead us and that you would show us what your word says, that show us who you are. Um, that's why we're here today is to know you more. We're not just here to gather information. We're not just here to learn some, some new things, Lord. We're here to know you more. And so, Father, we pray that you, would, uh, that you would come and that you would be with us and that you would guide our hearts to, to hear your word. Father, we, uh, we thank you for the blessings that you've given us. Thank you for the mercy that you've laid upon us. And we just ask that you would watch over us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you've been with us in Luke chapter 4, uh, just all these, uh, these first uh, chapters of Luke, uh, basically you, you've probably seen a unifying theme over and over again is that Luke is... Um, He's introducing us to Christ. He's showing us who this Messiah is, who this uh, Savior is. And, of course, we've read these passages over and over again. So it's easy for us sometimes just to, you know, to kind of gloss over them because I already know that. I got that. I've read that before. Uh, And it's something that's really um, something we really shouldn't do. We find ourselves doing it over and over again. But uh, just to just to kind of get you to to where we're at, in case maybe you've missed one or two, uh, basically the whole scripture is it's God's story of redemption. You know, you go all the way back to Genesis and you got the fall and you got um, Adam and Eve have plunged the creation into sin. And even at that moment when uh, creation was fallen, when now sin and sickness and death and evil are in the world and the kingdom of darkness has come and and it, it's basically encompassed the creation. Even then, way back then in Genesis chapter 3, God gave a promise that uh, there is going to be a seed, the seed of the woman. I'm going to bring forth a seed of the woman that's going to crush the serpent's head. And all through the Old Testament, you see the line of that seed moving from this family to this particular individual. You know, you got Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and then you got the 12 tribes, and then you got David and his line. And you see that seed moving through those lines until finally it culminates in Jesus Christ, who is the seed that crushes the serpent's head. And as we see the birth and, and the, the baptism of Christ, as we've looked in Luke, uh, we've, seen, we've seen his birth announced. This is the Messiah. This is the one that we've been waiting for. This is the one who has come. And we saw in his baptism in, in Luke where uh, John the Baptist baptized him. He identified with the sinners that he came to save. And then we saw him go out into the wilderness and fight the battle with Satan that Adam lost and that Israel lost in the wilderness. We saw him conquer by uh, defeating all the temptations that <clears throat> Satan brought against him. And then... Uh, it, it almost like a crazy turn of events. Last time we were here, <clears throat> we saw him go preaching the gospel and, and going forth in power, telling them, hey, I'm here, I'm the Messiah. And he went to his hometown and they rejected him. They rejected who they rejected who he was. In fact, they tried to kill him in his hometown. And so what you're going to see today is now he is he's going to leave his hometown. We're going to pick right back up at the story where we left off and he is going to go again preaching and teaching in Capernaum. And what you're going to see today is that he is preaching and teaching and he holds power 
and authority. His word has power and authority. And what we're, what we're going to, what we're going to get is the fact that even though the people in Nazareth rejected him, it doesn't matter because he has power and authority. He doesn't need, he doesn't need to put it in your terms. He doesn't need you to believe in him to be the king of kings. He's already the king of kings. The only question is whether you're going to submit to this king or whether you're going to rebel against this king. Uh, what you think about him doesn't make any difference. It doesn't change who he is. It doesn't change what he did. It doesn't change what he came to do. Uh, you're either going to trust in this king or you're going to rebel against this king. And what he's going to do is he's going to demonstrate that authority. Um, when he's coming, let me just give you a little background before I read these passages. We're going to start in verse um, 20 or 31 maybe. Is that right? Y'all help me? Yes, 31. Um, Before we read what's happening here, and a lot of people miss this, is that the kingdom of God that has been promised is breaking into reality. See, after the fall, you know, there's sickness everywhere. There's death everywhere. There's evil everywhere. There's evil spirits everywhere. You're going to see that here uh, in in this passage. Evil has taken over. I mean, it's not in control. We know God is in control. But this world is filled now with sickness and death and disease and pain and suffering. and, And all of this is going on. And Jesus is coming in power and authority. And he's not just healing sick folks in order to, uh, in order to make their life better. You know, I know you're struggling, so poop, I'm going to heal you. You know, I'm going to let you walk. I'm going to let you see. He is doing that, but he's showing that the kingdom of God is now breaking in. He's giving us a taste of what it's going to be like when there is no more sickness. He is taking ground back. He's, he is uh, going to battle uh, the kingdom of light against the kingdom of darkness. Think about it this way. If we're, you know, you got two countries and they're fighting with each other. They're fighting, uh, and you got one country that's invaded the other country, and you got the conqueror that comes, and he comes to this country, and he plants the flag down and says, this land now belongs to me. You know, and they're, they're fighting over the ground, they're fighting over the land, they're fighting over their borders, they're fighting over who owns this and who owns that. That's what you see here. Jesus is coming to these people. He's coming to these people that are plagued with, with evil spirits and sickness and, and all these effects of the fall. And he's saying, now this land belongs to me. This, this soul belongs to me. This belongs to me. You've got to get out. You've got to leave. You, he is conquering the, the evil spirits, the sickness, every effect that the fall had he is conquering that and he is taking ground that belongs to the that the enemy is now uh, is now occupying y'all with me okay good i'm just making sure all right and what we're going to see is he's able he's able and he is trustworthy he's doing now exactly what he said you remember last week when nazareth the people of nazareth rejected him uh he said basically his message was i'm here He said, the the Spirit of God, he read the scroll from Isaiah. The Spirit of God has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to heal the blind, and to, to free the captives. And that's what he is doing. His authority and his, the word of his power is that's what he came to do. That's what he's doing. He's healing the blind. He's freeing the captives. He's doing exactly what he said he was going to do. And it's a battle. He is able by his word and he is trustworthy to do. It's going to give us a, a, a lot of peace today, a lot of rest, knowing that our God is in control. Uh, in verse 31, let me just start there. 
Uh, the last thing we saw is they tried to kill him in Nazareth. In verse 30, he said, but passing through the midst of them, he went his way. In verse 31 and 32, it says, but he passed through uh, and he came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine for the word was with power. He's continuing to preach the same message, probably, I'm, I'm assuming this, the same message that he preached in Nazareth. What was that? I'm here. I am the Messiah. I am the one with power. I'm the one that's come to bring freedom. I'm the one that's come to bring salvation. I'm the one that's come to bring deliverance, to free the captives, to heal blinded eyes, to, to uh, release, the, to proclaim the year of God's release, to do all these things. He's, he's proclaiming there's a new era that has come. The era of salvation is here. No longer does mankind have to be in bondage because of the fall. No longer does he have to be in bondage because of sin and because of Satan's temptations. I'm here to, I'm here to free you. I'm here to free you. I'm here to do all the things that the Messiah was prophesied to do. I'm here to fulfill the promise of God. And the people are amazed that the word that he is speaking is going forth with power. His word has authority. And it's easy to recognize. The word is with power and it's with authority. We're going to see that here in a minute. His preaching, his teaching, his proclaiming himself as Messiah, proclaiming himself as the one that has come to deliver us from the fall to deliver us from sickness and death and all those things and that is fulfilled and culminated in the new heavens and the new earth when we won't have to worry about any of that anymore we won't have to worry about sickness anymore when christ returns and there's a new heaven and new earth we won't have to worry about parting and suffering and sorrow and all of the things that just make up this life if you and i live long enough you're going to have sorrow. You're going to have uh, sickness. You're going, to, you're going to get sick. A lot of people don't realize that. I don't care if you, live, if you live to 80 or 90 and never have anything wrong with you. There's going to come a time, if Christ doesn't return first, that you're going to end up in the hospital. You're going to end up sick if, if you don't just die suddenly from something in a car wreck or whatever. You're going to experience that. That's part of life. That's part of this world that we live in because of the fall, because of sin, because of what has taken uh, this creation. But Christ has come promising us that there's coming a time where there won't be any more of that. If you're born again by the Spirit of God and you, you are Christ's people, his, uh, his adopted, His anointed people, if you are in Him, there's coming a time. You're free right now. But there's coming a time where we won't have any more effects of the fall. We won't have any more sickness or death or parting or sorrow or pain or suffering or, or any of those things. And he's showing that. He's showing that. He's showing that the kingdom of God is breaking in right now. He's come to conquer. He's come to conquer death and to conquer sickness and all the effects that the fall and sin brought into this creation. And so the people recognize, man... This guy is preaching with power. He's speaking with authority, speaking with, with power over all these things. And he's going to demonstrate that. In verse 33, he says, And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil. And he cried out with a loud voice saying, Let us alone. What have we, do? What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Now, I, he has power. This is going to show us that he has power over the spiritual world. 
He's going to cast this demon out in just a minute with a word. You need to make sure you understand what, he, what they said at the beginning. His word was with power. You're going to see that. I'll just go ahead and give you, tell you where we're going. At the first instance that we're going to see here, he casts out a demon with his word. Just says, hey, get out. The demon has to go. And so his word is with power. He's demonstrating that he has power over the spiritual world. And then the next little episode that we're going to read right after this is that he has power also over the physical world. Because by the word of his power, he is going to rebuke the same word that he does with this demon here in a minute. He is going to rebuke a fever in in Simon's mother-in-law. And it's going to be gone. And so his word really does have power and authority. But right here in the synagogue, there's a man in the synagogue possessed with an unclean demon. He's possessed with a spirit. And I like the fact, I just, I find it humorous that Jesus didn't bust through the door saying, is any demons in here? Any evil spirits in here? I'm fixing to mess y'all up. He came preaching. It says, did you see right there in 33? It says, and in the synagogue, or he was, came in, uh, Verse 31 says, and he came down to Capernaum, city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath day. He was teaching them on the Sabbath. He was in the synagogue doing exactly what he had done in Nazareth, saying, hey, the day has come. The time is here. The Messiah has arrived. You know, have come to proclaim freedom to the captives, come to proclaim the day of the Lord, come to do all those things. He's preaching in the, in the synagogue. And there is, verse 33, in the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil. And he cried out with a loud voice. What, have you, what are you here doing? What are you doing here for me? I mean, what, have you ha- what do you have to do with me? Are you here to destroy me? It, it, it gives me a little pleasure. It tickles me a little bit that just the presence and the preaching of our Lord makes the demons uh, shriek in panic. I mean, if I, was, if I was the unclean spirit, I think I'd have kept my mouth shut. I, I think I would have just sat in the back and just, you know, yeah, okay, and just been quiet. And then, you know, I, I, wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have messed around, but it caused a panic. He shrieked with a loud voice. What are you doing here? Have you come to destroy? I mean, just the presence of the Savior, the presence of the Messiah, the preaching of the gospel. He wasn't saying any demons in here. I'm fixing to cast y'all out. And the demon says, oh, no. It was like he was just preaching the gospel. He was preaching, hey, I'm here to deliver you. And all of a sudden, this shriek goes on in the congregation, this, this, this loud cry. What are you doing here? Are you here to destroy me? I know who you are. It, it, it's almost, uh, it's almost like, uh, it's, it's almost like that he couldn't help it. It reminds me of, you know, you, you can be this demon guy, this uh, uh, evil spirit. You know, you can rail against God. You can, you can say, you know what, forget God. We're going to rebel against God. That's what the demons do. That's what the evil spirits do. We're just, you know, we're not going to submit to him. We're going we're gonna to destroy his plan. We're going to try to destroy his people. But when you come face to face with the holy God, it's a whole different story. It's like people who say, you know, I tell you what, you ever heard somebody say, I tell you what, somebody pointed a gun at me. They better be ready to use it because I, I, I'm, it's going to be serious. You know, you ever met somebody like that? Uh, I, you point a gun at me, I'll take that gun away from them and I'll beat you. But if you've ever had a gun pointed at you, and I have, I promise you, when you're staring down the barrel of a gun, it's a whole different story. You can say all day long, well, I tell you what, you point a gun at me, it's going to be on but when you actually have somebody pointing one at you in anger, like fixing to shoot you, it's like, yes, sir. 
Oh, no, sure. Don't you? I, it's a whole different deal. It's a whole different deal to actually be face to face with the powerful Savior, with the Messiah standing right there. It's a whole different deal. That was funny. Now, y'all, come on. Y'all going to have to help me a little bit. Understand, it was a different deal for the, I mean, to be in the presence of Christ, it caused him to panic. What are you doing here? And he knew that his destruction was inevitable. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. He says, is it time? <laughs> is it time for you to destroy us? I mean, it, it wasn't a matter of, well, we're going to fight against him and we could win this. We're going we're gonna to conquer you. It was a matter of just waiting around for the destruction to come. I'm going to try to do as much damage as I possibly can until the day when he Cast me off into, into hell, into the lake of fire. And so the dean is like, he, he knows that his destruction has come. He knows that this is the king of kings. He knows that this is the holy one of God. And he says, what are you doing here? Have you come to destroy me? Is it time? Is it time already? And so what he does, it, it, it's kind of funny to me as well, that he knows more than the people of Nazareth. I mean, his hometown, remember, they rejected him. The demon here says, I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. He knew even more than the people of, even more than the people that had grown up with him. Knew more than the people of Nazareth. He knew that this was the Holy One of God. Knew this was the Messiah. Knew this was the Savior. Knew this was the Son of God, but refused. The, the difference between them and this evil spirit is he just flat out knew who this was, knew what was, he was here to do, just flat out refused. To submit to him. Flat out refuse. I will not bow down. I will not submit to you. I choose destruction over submitting to you. The difference between him and the people of Nazareth was they were deceiving themselves. Remember what he said to them last time we were here? The people of Nazareth, he basically told them, hey, I'm here to preach to the blind. I'm here to heal the blind. I'm here to preach good news to the poor. I'm here to, I'm here to bring the, the day of the Lord. I'm here to uh, free the captives. And he was talking to the people of Nazareth. They were the blind. They were the captives. They were the slaves. And that ticked them off. Remember, it says the synagogue was filled with wrath. That's not us. We're not evil. We're not wretched. We're not blind. We're not captive. Who do you think you are telling us we're not good? The problem with the people of Nazareth is that it wasn't that they it wasn't that they just couldn't recognize that this was the Messiah. It was that they refused to believe. They refused to believe that they were wicked. They, unlike the evil spirit here, had deceived themselves into thinking they were good. And when Jesus came preaching the gospel, hey, you're blind. You need me to heal you. You're captive. You're slave to your sin. You need me to free you. They're like, uh-uh, that's not me. Who do you think you are? Who are you to judge me? I'm not wicked. I'm not evil. I'm... And they ended up trying to kill Christ. And so he says, it says here that this, this demon knows who Jesus is. You are the Holy One of God. That's a, that's a phrase from the Old Testament about who the Messiah would be, about who the Savior would be. I know who you are. And so in verse 35, he demonstrates what we have been talking about all this time, that his word, his word has authority. His word has power. 
And so when he comes, he's dim, he's, he's saying, you know, I'm here. I'm here to heal blinded eyes. I'm here to, to take away the effects of the fall. I'm here to show you the kingdom of God and what it will be when you trust in me. And there, there's no more sickness when, and when there's a new heaven and earth. I'm here to demonstrate this to you. And they don't believe. The demon believes and he shudders. And then he comes and demonstrates. In verse 35, he says, he says, and Jesus rebuked him. Saying, hold thy peace, which means shut up and come out of him. And look what the, what, what the devil did, the demon. He says, and when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. When Jesus says, be quiet and come out, there's no argument. There's no back talk. There's no, well, you're going to have to make me. And your kid ever said that to you? I got a belt right here. It come off the other day. And we had, we had a deal. We had a deal at my house. I'll tell you about it sometime. He is conquering. Look at him. He's, he's conquering. He's coming. He's planting his flag down and says, this, this territory here belongs to me now. This is mine. This territory belongs to me. You got to get out by his word. He just simply says, get out, be quiet and get out. And there's no argument. There's no hesitation. I love the fact that he obeys immediately but he also obeys exactly. I mean, he, he obey, there's, he doesn't say another word immediately. He came out, but he also obeyed exactly. If it was, if you, if you know good and well that if it was you, you would have done as much damage as possible on the way out. I know I got to go, but you know, I'm going to break something on the way out. The other day, I'll go ahead and tell you why I took my belt off. The other day, uh, Sophie was here where they were uh, decorating. They were decorating the other night and, uh, uh, Sophie was here and Addie was here. They were spending the night together and, and, and they were just here for a long time working and doing all this. There's a lot of, a lot of other women here too. It wasn't just them. And Sophie had her iPad with her and she loves to get on YouTube and watch these. It's the dumbest things I've ever seen in my life. It's like people playing video games. I mean, it's like, you're just watching a dude play a video game for like four hours. They'll watch this stuff or, or watch people unwrap stuff like unwrap new, you know, iPods or whatever. And just showing an I, I mean, just watching this stuff. Well, if you know anything about YouTube, there's a whole line of videos over here that say like suggested videos. And some of those videos are not good. And so what will happen is, you know, she'll get to clicking around and she'll end up on, on bad stuff on YouTube. And so we've told her, no more YouTube. It's out. We're not going to watch it. Uh, she's got her little kids cartoon Netflix deal on there so she can watch cartoons or whatever. But her and Addie were here and Sophie was asking her mom, mom, we want to watch this. It's a guy playing this dumb game called Minecraft, which don't even make sense to me. But anyway, he, we want to watch the, this video. And, and her mom was like, Dana was like, no, you're not. We, we don't, we're not going to do YouTube. I don't have time to watch you. I don't have time to monitor. So that's out. We're not watching anything. And so so this, this, this argument ensues, this, this uh, back and forth. Well, please, you let me the other day. And we, you know, you know how they do it. And, and it was just on and on. And, and Dana said after about an hour or two, she had to get really firm with her. I mean, like I said, no. And if you keep, you know, she had to really lay the law down. And Sophie didn't have any choice but to obey. But before she obeyed, she chunked that iPad on the ground and shattered that joke. And so this now, you know, them things are, the things ain't cheap, you know. So now she obeyed, 
But she did as much damage as she possibly could, and the belt came off. This is not what happens here. The demon here, the evil spirit, he doesn't have power to do his... He has to obey immediately, and he has to obey exactly. He doesn't say another word. It says he threw him down in the midst on the way out, but he didn't have the authority to hurt the man that he was he was uh, possessing, that he was uh, uh, inside. And so when Jesus comes and he says, this is my territory now, the kingdom of God has clashed with the kingdom of Satan. And he says, I'm planting a flag here. This belongs to me. You got to get out. He immediately got out and he got out exactly. There wasn't a fight. There wasn't an argument. There wasn't a, uh, there wasn't anything other than immediately when the king of kings speaks, you move. When the king of kings speaks, the spirits shudder and they move. And that ought to give you that Jesus is, he is even today, even in his incarnation, he has power. He has authority over the spiritual world. No demons or or devils are going to come into your life and try to conquer you or mess with anything that God does not allow them to do. It's just like in the beginning of Job where Satan comes, I'm going to take Job. God had to give him the authority. And he said, and you can go this far with him, but you can't go any further. You can take this from him and this from him, but you can't take his life. That should give you peace today. That should give you peace and rest knowing that our God is in control. The Savior that purchased you, that bought you, that loves you, adopted you, and redeemed you is in control today of the spiritual world. You still fight against principalities and powers, but we fight from a from a position of victory. We don't fight from a, oh, I really hope I, I really hope I can, I can make it through. No, you are more than a conqueror now in Christ Jesus who has saved you and brought you out. You have been adopted into this family. You have been brought into the kingdom of God. And that kingdom is a kingdom that comes and plants a flag and says, this is my territory now. You've got to get out and they have to flee. So he's demonstrating that He's demonstrating that he has power over the spiritual world. He has power over these things. But he's also, he also has power over the physical world as well. You ever meet those people sometimes that will um, they'll separate, uh, they'll separate spirituality and religion from the rest of the world. They'll say, well, you know, you're a, you're a good preacher, preacher guy, and so that's good, but really that don't have anything to do with the rest of my life. That's good while we're in church. It's good while we're, you know, to, to uh, minister to our spiritual needs. But when it comes to meeting our real needs, our physical needs, our other kind of needs, you know, there, there's, really nothing that, there's really nothing that Christianity, Christianity can do. There's nothing that Christ can help me with. Understand, he has authority over the physical world. World as well. It says in verse uh, 38, it says, 38, there it is. Oh, I skipped two. It says, and they were all amazed and spoke in 36, spoke uh, among themselves saying, what a word is this? Are you seeing the pattern? We're all, we're always talking about his word. At the beginning, his word was with authority. And then he rebuked with by a word and the demon had to go. And now the people are marveling that his word is not just a word. It's a word that has authority. It's a word that has power. They say, what word is this? For with authority and power, he commandeth the unclean spirits and they come out. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. And verse 38 says, and he arose out of the synagogue and he entered into Simon's house as Peter. 
And Simon's wife's mother, his mother-in-law, was taken with a great fever and they besought him for her. Now, this is part of the effect of the fall. Remember what we talked about right at the beginning? What happened at the fall? When sin entered into the world, the creation was taken with, with darkness. All of a sudden, now there's sickness and there's, there's evil and there's darkness in the world and there's suffering and man, by the sweat of his brow, he's going he's gonna to die one day. You know, all of these things came because of the fall. And what we saw in the earlier section just a minute ago when that demon was cast out of the man was it was the evil, the evil spirit that had taken this man. Jesus has power over him. But Jesus is all, has also power over this fever. This sickness, that is part of the fall. That's part of what happened to this creation. And so when Jesus, when I say he's coming and his kingdom is going head to head with the kingdom of Satan and he's planting a flag and saying, this is now my ground and the kingdom of God is breaking into this world. This is part of what he is conquering. There's going to come a day when all is consummated and all is done. We don't have to worry about any more fevers. He has authority over sickness. He has authority over all the things that happened to creation because of the fall. If there were no fall of Adam and Eve, if there were no sin in this world, there wouldn't be any fevers. There wouldn't be any sickness. wouldn't be any death. wouldn't be any suffering. wouldn't be any pain. It would be just like the paradise of God was supposed to be in the very beginning. And it'll be just like the paradise of God is described in the last two chapters of Revelation when all is made new. The tree of life will be there. The river that was coming out of Eden will be there. And there won't be any more sickness. There won't be any more pain. What he's demonstrating is that the kingdom of God is breaking into real time. Right now, it's breaking in. It is conquering and going forth to conquer by the gospel. He is taking control. So it wasn't like, you know, Jesus, I know you're a good preacher, but really you can't do anything about this fever because you're not a doctor. You're not a, you're not a whatever. So really you, you, you can't handle this. The same authority Jesus wields with that evil spirit. He wields with this fever. Look what it says in, in verse, uh, verse 39. I keep losing my place in this Bible, man. I need some glasses or something. It says, and he stood over her and rebuked the fever. He did the, the same word that he, he used to talk about what he did to the evil spirit to get him to go. He uses for this fever. He rebuked the evil spirit and it left immediately. And the same words used here, he stood over her, he rebuked the fever. And what did it do? It did the same thing. It left. It left her. And immediately she arose and ministered unto them. Understand what he's saying here. He's showing us the same thing we saw a minute ago. Not only does it obey immediately. But it obeys exactly. You ever had one of them sicknesses or them fever deals? Your fever's always, I always act like a baby when I'm sick for sure. And Dana has to take care of me. But, you know, you got a fever and you're sick. I, I, I'm going to need a couple days. I'm going to need a couple days to kind of get over this thing. I'm going to need a couple days to just get my strength back. I need to drink orange juice for a, a little while and just, you know, just, just kind of get back in the groove. You know, no, the fever left immediately and it left exactly. It did exactly what Christ commanded. And she was, she was whole. All of a sudden stood up and she didn't say, whoo, I feel much better now. Just give me a few hours uh, to rest. Give me a few days to kind of get over this thing. No, immediately she got up and she began to serve. Isn't that a picture 
of what, what our life is when Christ saves us, when Christ redeems us, immediately they get up and you begin to serve. You begin to serve him. You walk in power, with power of the spirit, knowing that you are now part of his family, part of who, part of who he has made you to be, and you begin serving him. The fever here obeyed him immediately. Here is another instance where Jesus steps forward, the kingdom of God comes head to head with the kingdom of darkness that has come upon creation because of the fall and Jesus plants a flag and says this is my ground now you got to get out and so he has authority his word has authority over the spiritual world his word has authority over the physical world he has complete authority he is in complete control but let me show you one more thing before we leave this authority this power when you think of it the power above all powers the 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 Authority above all authorities. What we think of when we think of that is, I don't know, some, you know, maybe some God sitting on a high throne way up there somewhere just dealing out what's going to happen, dealing out authority, saying, you know, this is what's going to happen here and we'll just deal that out. Go on. And, you know, we're all just the little peasants. We're all the little peons that that are, are receiving this great authority. That's not the kind of authority that he wields. Look what it says in the next few verses, then we'll go. It says, Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And devils also came out of many, crying out, saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuked them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Now, When they hear, he's already demonstrated that he has authority over the spiritual world. He has authority over the physical world. And when the sun goes down, it it means it's not the Sabbath anymore. People start flocking to him. And they start bringing him all these people that have diseases. All these people that are taken with evil spirits. And he says that he healed them. Now, my question here, if you look at the text that we're reading, starting, uh, we started in verse uh, 31, and we're going to go all the way to the end of 34. It always, it seems like the, the word is repeated over and over again. His word was with power. His word was with authority. He rebuked the evil spirit that came out. He rebuked the fever and it came out. It's always word, 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 word. His very speech has power. I wondered why in the world did all these people come and with one word, the powerful Messiah could have said, you know what? Everybody be healed. And poof, they were all healed. It was, it was absolutely, it was more than possible. It was inevitable that he could do such a thing. He could have said with one word, okay, all the evil spirits that are in this crowd, all y'all are gone. Get lost. I'm planting my flag down. It's over. And they would have all left screaming just like this evil spirit did. But what did he do? If you read the text that we just saw in 39 or 40, he took them one by one. And laid his hands on them. It wasn't just, he could have spoken the word. And he did speak the word. He could have spoken the word in power. I mean, you can imagine a king in his regal robes, standing a bunch, uh, over a bunch of peasants and waving his hand saying, okay, I'm, I'm declaring this and it's a done deal. Y'all go ahead. No, he got down in the mud with each one of these suffering, hurting people. And he laid his hands on He didn't have to. He could have just said, hey. Demon's gone and demon go. 
He could have said, hey, sickness gone and sickness goes. But he came with compassion, with concern, with love. And he got down. Jesus was all God and all man. How long do you think it took? This darkness, it was already dark. Sabbath was over. How long? Probably all night long. Jesus was going from one to the next, laying his hands on them and and healing each and every one. It wasn't a blanket. Hey, all y'all are good. Everybody go home. He went to he went to each one and he said, Cole. And he put his hands on him and he healed him. And he said, Luke, and he put his hands on him and he healed him. And Cheyenne, he went from one to the next, laying his hands on them. Each one, the Christ that we serve is not just some impersonal authority up there wielding power from heaven like Zeus throwing lightning bolts or something like that. He came as a man to uh, because of his compassion and concern for you and he comes to each one of us. He comes to each one of these people in compassion and concern and says, I'm going to help you. I'm going to conquer this Whatever it is that's taking you, I'm going to be the answer to the problem of the fall in your life, whatever that may be. There's going to come a time that the ultimate answer for that problem is salvation itself. When we are adopted and redeemed into his kingdom, where we become part of the kingdom of God, part of the family of God, all we're doing now is waiting for the time when all things are made new. And there is no more fall. There is no more sickness. There is no more death and pain. But our God, our Savior, comes not just wielding a powerful word saying, let it be done. He comes and he lays his hands on each one of these sick These poor, you can imagine probably nobody else wanted to touch them. They were all, you know, they were a Pharisee would have walked by and said, I'm not getting involved in that mess. I'm not getting involved with all these people. I sure ain't touching them. Are you kidding me? That'll make me unclean. But Jesus, God, I just picture him down in the mud with each one on his knee, touching them, laying his hands. He says he lays his hands upon all of these. That's why he came. That's why he came was because of his love for you, his love for us, his compassion and his concern that he became a man so that he could take away the effect of sin in our life by dying on the cross, by suffering. And then finally, last two verses and we'll go. Verse 42 and 43. This authority is not just, it's not just out there ethereal authority that's wielded, impersonal It's with compassion and concern, but it's also for a purpose. It's also for a purpose. It's not just to, it's not just to heal diseases. It's not just to, it's not just to make your life better. He came for a purpose. He says they wanted in verse 42, it says that when it was day, he'd all night long, he had been laying hands on people and healing. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place. He left. And what did they do? They followed him. Where are you going? I mean, we got a good thing going right here, don't we? I mean, let's, let's make it like a paradise right here. He says, people sought him and came to him and stayed him, which means that they, they didn't want him to leave, that he should not depart from them. They wanted him to stay right there with him. Can you imagine Capernaum, the city on a hill where there's no sickness anymore and there's no demons around, there's no evil spirit, there's no darkness. We have Jesus here. If you want to come see Jesus, you need to come on to Capernaum because he is the authority and we got, they wanted Stay here. 
Make a paradise out of this place. Let, let's enjoy the fact that we don't have any more sickness and that we don't have any more disease that we don't have any more. Let's do that. But what Jesus says was, and he said to them, I must preach. Look what he's preaching. The kingdom of God to other cities also. For therefore I am sent. That's the reason I'm here. It's not just to make you feel better. I mean, that's what he does. He, he came and he healed the sick, but that wasn't his purpose. My purpose is to preach the kingdom of God to all of these other places as well. My purpose is to preach the kingdom of God. He was showing them the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is breaking into the kingdom of darkness. The creation has fallen into darkness and the kingdom of God has come. And he shows them that this is the kingdom of God breaking in. It's taking over where, where evil spirits dwell. It's taking over where the effects of the fall, sickness and, and sorrow and, and suffering and all those things. He's taking over. The kingdom of God is breaking in and it's advancing. And the gates of hell won't uh, prevail against the body of Christ that is, uh, that is preaching the kingdom of God. And so he says, I can't stay here. I can't just stay here and make you all well. I can't just stay here and every time somebody gets a cough or a fever or a sickness and just make every, you know, and just do the deal. And so all of us here inside this building will feel good and be fine and everything. I have to go out to the other cities and I have to preach the kingdom of God there because that is why I am sent. That is your mission as well if you've been born again. Your mission is Christ's mission. You are called, if you've been born again by the Spirit of God, praise God, everything's going to be fine. You're still going to go through suffering. We still live in the fallen creation. We still live in flesh. So still going to be suffering in your life. There's still going to be hard times, still going to be trials, still going to be moments where you follow the flesh instead of what what the Spirit of God is wanting you to do. Still going to be times of all of those things. But guess what? In the end result, you're going to be fine. Because the worst thing in the world that can happen to you is you die and go be with the Lord. Go be with all those that have gone before you in the Lord. So that's really the worst thing that can happen to you. You're going to be fine. But now when you have received Christ and the Spirit of God lives in you, you have a mission. You're called to be ambassadors of Christ. You're called to go and take up Christ's mission. His mission wasn't just to make you feel better. It was to go and preach the kingdom of God. Of God. Now, a couple of couple of things of application right before we go. We're fixing to leave, I promise. Number one, he has authority over the spiritual world and the physical world. That should give you peace. It should give you peace knowing that he's in control. My father is in control, and I don't have to worry about anything. That should give you peace. It should give you rest, knowing that not only is he in control, but he has such compassion for you, such concern for you. I'm, I'm talking about for you individually. He's not just, he, he didn't just save the whole people in here all, all at once. Hey, poof, it's just over the crowd and get some. He came to you. The Spirit drew you. And, and he came and he spoke your name and he said, I want you drawing you to come and to receive this gospel, to receive this salvation. He has such concern for you. The God who spoke the stars into existence loves you, is concerned for you, compassionate for you, that should give you rest. And also, to be honest with you, it should make you thankful that God brought you in, brought you into his kingdom, brought you into 
his family, adopted you, redeemed you, and it should give you a purpose that now you have a purpose, just like Christ, to preach the kingdom of God, to go and preach this gospel to all of those. It's hard for me to, it's hard for me to see how people can say, I am following Jesus when Jesus is about the Father's business, making disciples and preaching the kingdom of God, and you're not. If you're following Jesus, if that, that's what a disciple is, is following Jesus, then you are following Jesus in his mission. You don't live just for yourself. You don't live just for your own comfort. You live to see God glorified. You live to see the people around you come to faith in Christ. You live to be used by Christ. If you're following Christ, then you should see in your life the evidence of you following Christ because Christ is going forth still by the Spirit of God preaching the gospel and receiving sinners into the kingdom. Today He offers the same salvation that he offered that day in Nazareth when he said, I'm here. I'm here to free the captives. I'm here to heal the blind. I'm here, I'm here to proclaim the day of the Lord. Today he is still proclaiming that. If you don't know Christ, you need to come to him. You need to examine the evidence in your life. I know we always say, listen, Wednesday night was a tough night. We were here in church and I talked to Brother Eddie afterward and he he got the just got the sense that there were a lot of lost people here and it was mostly home folks that were here you have to examine yourself i i don't care what prayer you prayed i don't care what aisle you walked down if your life doesn't bear fruit that you are in christ then you're not in christ it's as simple as that examine yourself whether you be the faith and not in trust in him father we love you we thank you today for your word thank you for all that you've given